This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us is here. And now, here's your host. And I don't know if we just violated any copyright law right there, Paul, but this is the Saturday to Sunday football podcast, and the boys are back in town. Paul, oh my God. I, I mean, I feel like I'm sitting here on this nice, cushy chair, and, and it's been a long time. How are you doing? I am doing good, my friend. Mr. Matt Caraccio, back in the saddle with you. I don't think we've done a show since late April before the NFL draft, and here we are late July, recording this together. It feels good to be back on here doing this show with you. It's been a crazy summer. I know you put together that amazing uh, 12-part seminar series looking at the player problem paradigm, all the problems that NFL players face, things that we should be looking for in our evaluations. Absolutely amazing guest you had on. Job well done. I know I took notes when I was listening to it. I made mental notes, things that at times I didn't even fully understand. And I know I want to dig further into, uh, but that's, that's the point of that seminar series. It's to push the envelope a little bit and accolades to you for a job well done with all that great cast of guests that you had on. Well, Paul, first of all, thank you so much, man. I mean, it's, I mean, to say you've been holding down the fort is, is probably the understatement of year. I would probably say that you were single-handedly holding up the fort um, because it's been just that type of year for for me uh, personally and to everybody else out there that was uh, you know sending me some well wishes like you know everything's good there's nothing you know no nothing bad happening on the surface but uh, life is changing and uh, it's certainly been something that I, I was communicating to you outside of the show and saying man I just got to kind of figure things out and where life is taking me both professionally personally um, everything and. Um, you were like, man, you do what you got to do, and, and I'll hold up the fort, dude. And I got to tell you, man, I, it was absolutely astounding. From the draft stock reports to everything that you've done through the weekly series, it really has been an absolute um, – far be it for me to say anything else other than it's just been absolutely unbelievable. So the applause really belongs to you. The gratitude I extend to you, um, we're not sitting here if it's not for you. So to everybody else out there as well, we're not sitting here if it's not for you as well. So thank you guys for joining us tonight and listening to this show as we kick off a new season. Um, as you can kind of hear from our discussion, um, things are going to change as, as I kind of figure out some things personally and professionally and things that I'm doing. Um, so that means that I'm going to be taking a little bit more of a hosting role and Paul will be doing a little bit more of the heavy, heavy analyst lifting um, as we begin to unfold this upcoming season. Um, but it together, Saturday to Sunday is riding again. We will be doing more interviews, more great stuff coming on the way. So I, I'm just excited to really get this show started to kick off a new season as we begin our way too early mock draft. So, Paul, I, just out of curiosity, as we begin to go into this upcoming season, although we're still in that cursory stage of looking at players, evaluating players, uh, watching film, any thoughts or ideas that come to mind when you start thinking about this class? Any positions jump out to you? Well, I mean, first off, this upcoming college football season has probably got me more excited than any other college football season I can remember. You know, for the last five weeks or so, I have been film grinding more probably than I can remember. And every time I started a new position, I set a number of guys that I was going to watch and I ended up blowing right by it. And, you know, just for an example, like I told myself I was going to watch 10 to 12 quarterbacks. I ended up watching 18. I told myself I was going to watch 10 to 12 tight ends. I watched 15. I told myself I was going to watch 20 to 24 running backs and wide receivers. And I ended up watching 29 wide receivers, 29 running backs, you know, writing pro lots and lots of profiles for the next upcoming, you know, 2020 scouting notebook to be a part of the next wave of premium notebooks here released late August, early September here at Saturday to Sunday. 
And this class, man, is unlike any class that we've covered since Saturday to Sunday has been around. The running back and the wide receiver class have the capabilities to be the deepest that I could remember. The wide receivers, I think, have the capabilities to be the best ever that we've covered. You know, we we here at Saturday to Sunday were not uh, – had, had not been founded yet on that historic 2014 class. But I think this wide receiver class next year has the capabilities to supersede or at least be as good as that 2014 class. And that's saying something. The running back class, well, we've seen some really great running back class since we've been doing Saturday to Sunday. I don't know if we're going to have two guys in the top 10 or something like that. But the depth of the class, the amount of guys who I think have capability to be top 100 picks makes it a great running back class next year. I think the tight end has some interesting guys in it. I don't think it's as good as you know this year or the OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, David Njoku year. But I think it's going to have some intriguing guys, maybe even one or two guys potentially you know slip into round one. But I do think there's going to be a lot of intriguing names on day two. And some early guy and some guys early on day three that we're going to be talking about throughout the year, and then the quarterback position I think is a very intriguing one. I, I'm going on record as saying I think the quarterback is not going to be way better than this year's class. I think it's going to be very similar when push comes to shove. I think the Tua to Kyler Murray talk is going to be very consistent. I think the you know I think. This year, while I think Herbert's going to be a more regarded prospect than a guy like Daniel Jones, you know, Daniel Jones ended up going in the the sixth overall pick. I expect Justin Herbert to be there as well. And then you're going to have some other intriguing guys, just like we had this past year, you know, the Drew Locks, you know, and, and other guys that, you know, went off the board on day two as well, like Will Greer. I think you're going to see that be the case next year as well, the Jake Fromms of the world. So I think it's going to be a good quarterback class, not a great good quarterback class, solid to good tight end class, but great, great historic possible wide receiver class and a very good to great running back class as well, which makes Devi leagues and looking forward to next year's dynasty rookie drafts. It's got to have you excited if you're a fantasy player in any form that you play in. You got to be excited if you're just an NFL draft fan, because if you're an NFL draft fan and a fantasy fan, I mean, next year is going to be glorious for you because the amount of content on skill players is going to be, you know, probably as rich as it ever has been in the pre-draft process. And then all the guys to analyze, it's just been an amazing run. You know, I've watched close to, you know, almost 85 guys, I think it is. And I just kept watching it and was more and more in awe as I kept watching these guys all summer. Yeah. I mean, I listen, I echo a lot of the same sentiments you had. And as I'm still going through many of these players and starting to do the write-ups that we have for the book coming up, you know, as, and I start also thinking about the high school class of the coming in the following year, this is the first year where I can kind of legitimately say, I feel pretty confident that there's going to be a franchise player at every position. And I feel that very, very wholeheartedly. I think there's going to be a franchise quarterback in this class that will make a franchise better. I think there's going to be a franchise running back, maybe more than one, that will make or break a franchise. I also think there's going to be some franchise-wide receivers, which we haven't had in a long time at the position. I don't think Calvin Ridley was a franchise receiver, even though he was an outstanding receiver. I don't think he was a franchise game-changing receiver that you could literally throw into any situation. I do think you're going to have maybe one or two of those at the position. And then looking at the tight ends, you're right, only it is a little bit thin. But I think there's guys like, you know, when you look at uh, Obawegwam and you look at guys like Calcaterra and you look at guys um, like Parkinson, and even if you kind of go down to Hunter Bryant, man, I, I think Hunter Bryant is very, very good coming out of Washington. And if it wasn't for the injury last year, he's an interesting one. So there's there's a lot, a lot to like as in terms of getting a franchise player in each of those positions. I think it's very, very possible – we could have the uh, the quartet of excellence at all the positions, you know, when we kind of look across the board. Is that is that outstanding? I mean, I know you're a little further along in your film study than I am, but do you think I'm – am I out too far on a branch or, or do you think that that can hold me up a little bit? No, I, I think I think what you're saying has, has merit because I do think, you know – 
we're going to see some guys who are definitely going to be considered franchise caliber quarterbacks. Like, you know, say what we want about this past year with Dwayne Haskins and Daniel Jones, you know, and then obviously Kyler Murray was that guy that kind of, you know, came in as the year went on. And, and then once he decided to not play baseball after the season, you know, we looked at them, but I do think, People are going to look at next year's class and have less question marks about the quarterbacks. I think with Tua and Herbert, I have some question marks about Jake Fromm, which when we eventually get to the quarterback show, you know, we'll talk more about that. But I do understand what you're saying. The wide receiver class, I think, has the capability to have a little bit more of those prototypes that we always are constantly looking for. And listen, I think we were both huge fans of Calvin Ridley. Uh, and he would fit somewhere, I don't know exactly where yet, in this pecking order of elite wide receivers in next year's class. But I just think the 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 style and the 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 actual like checking off what we're looking for from the wide receivers to be those franchise caliber wide receivers. I think some guys might have it next year that we haven't seen and maybe even have it more than a Calvin Ridley. Uh, and at the running back position, I think we're going to have a, a handful of guys, you know, that maybe we don't look at like Saquon Barkley, you know, or in the way of Christian McCaffrey, but we're going to have guys that, you know, you know, me and you were big fans of Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon. Like, I consider those guys franchise running backs. We're going to have some of those franchise running backs again next year. You know, we're going to have guys very talented. So I, I think you're right. I do, I do think it, it's, it's an exciting because I don't look at it and think to myself, there's one position that's really lacking. Like, I've gone on record as saying this past wide receiver class – I thought was very, I thought was very un, was very poor relative to you know what I think this year's class is. And the funny thing is, two years ago people were talking about the the most recent wide receiver class, and they thought that was going to be great. But I I said from last summer when we talked about these guys that I thought people were overrating that wide receiver class. That when I watched the Nikhil Harrys of the world, you know, and the DK Metcalfs, I I think I thought people were getting overly excited for them. And I think in the long run. That kind of turned out to be true. Like the NFL was not that high on these on this past wide receiver class. Like we saw that, you know, in what transpired on draft weekend. I think next year the NFL is going to be very excited yes. about what they see that. in these wide receivers. So it, it's just going to be fun to unpack this a little bit, just to, to kind of lay out what August is going to look like for Saturday to Sunday. You know, Matt's already talked about. We've been both watching film. The positional preview shows, which literally is the bread and butter of Saturday to it's Sunday. The bedrock. It's the bedrock of what the bedrock. It's what we started with X amount of years ago when it was us and Nick Whalen. We literally started with those positional preview shows. Um, and every single summer, those and then our tier shows after the season before the combine, those are literally the bedrocks of Saturday to Sunday. That is where we put in all our energy in watching these guys and sharing our takes on these guys, what we saw from their film, from their highlights. Uh, so August is going to be the positional previews. You're going to get at least two running back shows, two wide receiver shows, uh, one or two quarterback shows, a tight end show, and that's going to take place over the next couple weeks. And then the week leading into the opening weekend of college football, we're going to have a little bit of previewing the year, or, you know, we're going to hopefully have a guest or two on where, you know, after listening to all our thoughts and takes on these guys, have, have some other people come on and kind of share their thoughts on the players that they're most excited excited about to keep an eye on for this upcoming college football season. And then obviously we'll transition into our in-season shows where we're once a week and we have our different segments. We'll talk more about them, uh, you know, in the future as we get closer to the, the start of the regular season. But but anticipating multiple episodes a week throughout August, doing these previews uh, before the season kicks off when we go into our more normal routine uh, where we get back to, you know, one week per show during the actual uh, college football and NFL season. So, Matt, before we, we start this little impromptu you know, uh, way too early rookie mock draft for 2020, which we thought would be a nice way to kind of transition into the 2020 class uh, before we had done finished, you know, all our thoughts in terms of our profiles and our film watching and stuff like that. Before we get to the positional shows in the upcoming weeks, we thought it was a great way. Any other thoughts about this class as a whole or anything else you want to share? 
No, I mean, I, I'm really just excited to get into it. I mean, I, I, you, everybody who's out there that knows me, follows me, and and knows the work that I put into it, they know that you know, I, you know, I, I lead the wide receiver position when it comes to where I live and what I really kind of love, um, as well as the running back position and all the players, of course, in any position in the sport. But the wide receiver position is something for some reason that's uh, that's the yin to my yang. And, um, you know, I've had a chance to watch a lot of these guys. In fact, Paul, what's so exciting about this class, and I was telling you this on um, the, previously before we started the show, you know, really this upcoming year's freshman notebook will really mark the opportunity where we'll finally have like a full draft class in, in sort of our workflow where we would have had kind of thoughts and notes on the primary guys out of high school and also those guys going into now the draft year. So that means like the first freshman notebook we put out will actually have almost a full, finally, a full Saturday to Sunday kind of take on them because we really would have had, probably from Friday night, their Thursday night film, their high school film, all the way to where they're going to kind of graduate now and go into the NFL. It's kind of exciting because I'm seeing those names begin to pop up. Like I remember I was getting into Debbie and getting into all these players right when Jerry Judy and, and T. Higgins, that was the class I remember watching very intently in high school. That was the, that was the class I was really digging into. And I, was, and I drafted – Tua and Jerry Judy in the same draft. I took Tua way late because I remember calling you up and being like, man, dude, you got to see this kid. He was playing in a spring game and he feathered this pass into the back pylon. He's a lefty too. And everybody's all screwed up because he's a lefty. It was just unbelievable, unbelievable. And I I, I just got to tell you, um, this is the first year we get a chance to kind of see how that goes. And I'm just excited to see this class come of age. T. Higgins, Jerry Judy, Jalen Rieger, Henry Ruggs. I mean, it goes on and on at the wide receiver position. So there's a little bit of a personal note there. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of exciting. And it's something that it's kind of fun to look back at the freshman notebooks from the past and, and see the takes and the thoughts that you had on these guys as now we're evaluating them for the next step in their phase of potentially being, you know, drafted into the NFL for those who declare early or, or, or for those, you know, who are seniors. It's interesting to kind of see that full trajectory of, of what you're talking about. So it's kind of exciting and it, it kind of tells you how long we've been doing this now. I mean, this is episode 299. Next one is a big one there, 300. So 300. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely uh, be sending some shout outs and, and stuff on that one. Uh, it's just been a, it's been a wild ride that we're 300 episodes soon uh, to be into this, but uh, that's for the next episode. So, so let's get into this. Uh, since it's the reunion and you're back on with me, I am going to give you the floor. I'm going to put you on the clock. Remember, this is a rookie draft. We're going to make it a little bit more exciting. And we're going to say it is a super flex rookie draft. So to give those quarterbacks a little bit more value uh, and a little bit more excitement. So super flex, way too early. 2020 PPR rookie mock draft. Matt, you're going to kick this off with the 1.01 pick. Where are you going with it? Wow. Okay. So this is a big moment for me. I think I'm going to probably play it very safe, and everybody's going to be very upset with me for playing it this safe. But I'm going to take a player that I think is arguably one of the most talented athletes and talented, most skillful players in college football. And this is going to throw Paul for a little bit of a curveball. I'm going to take DeAndre Swift at number one. I'm going to take DeAndre Swift from Georgia. He's five foot nine. He's 215 pounds. And I think he's every bit the most skillful mover at his respective position as I've seen in this class. And I know, I know people are going to come hard at me with Jonathan Taylor talk. And I know people are going to come hard at me with Travis Etienne talk. All I'm going to say is I really do believe DeAndre Swift offers the modern version of the player that we're looking for in terms of being able to run in any system. I think he can play in any type of system from being an interior or outside runner. I think he's great in space. I think he's got good hands as a receiver. I think he is as effective as any other player in the backfield that you could ask for in this draft. I think he's one of the most skilled movers at the position and one of the most skilled movers in this draft. So I'm going to buck convention. 
I'm going to go a little outside of what I probably would think would be the safer move, who I know Paul will take at number two. And I think that's where I'm going to go just to just to just to automatically throw everything up in the air to start. But. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I don't think I don't think it's crazy, to be honest with you. Uh, I honestly think that's probably would have been where I went myself. So I, I think I think we kind of see this in, in lockstep, to be frankly honest with you. Uh, and, and just for people who are listening to this, we aren't going to go deep into that's the uh, we, we, yeah, we got a whole bunch of shows for that stuff. Yeah, we're not going to go deep into the the prospects in terms of strengths and concerns and what they you know where they fit in terms of the NFL and their draft projection. The positional preview shows will will have that component to it, you know. So you know the mock here, we're going to move through at a pretty quick pace here. Talk about the player for you know a minute, maybe even less, and then we're just going to keep this going here, just kind of introduce some names. So you know, Matt at one point oh one there took DeAndre Swift. I am in it at one point oh took one point oh two take running back out of Clemson, Travis Ethian. He's a different player than DeAndre Swift because the, the thing is, DeAndre Swift, I think, is a little bit more of a complete player because Matt talked about the receiving capabilities a little bit. I think he's a guy that can solve problems a little bit better in terms of, you know, he's more a little bit more versatile. But what Travis Etienne does offer is rare, rare acceleration burst the long speed to be a home run threat at any time. The athleticism is, is all great elite, rare type stuff. And for a guy who's 5'10", 200 pounds, he has really good play strength, the ability to run through contact, uh, his one cut ability to one cut and get up field. I don't think he's a guy who is going to have this elite cutting ability. I think he's got agility and elusiveness, but that's combined with his footwork and his ability to you know, his, his ability just to attack the hole with decisiveness and then that rare speed of him. The pass receiving, it's a question mark. It's a legitimate question mark. Uh, but I do think, you know, his ability to bounce runs out to the perimeter, uh, all of that, to me, he's an explosive, explosive player. And his, his vision and the angles that he understands how to take is what makes him so deadly uh, in the open field. And if you don't get him and he hits the second level, he's gone. And that's what's so exciting about Travis Etienne. And in that offense, with those receivers and Trevor Lawrence, Etienne's going to be a special, special player again this year. Uh, so he'd be the guy at 1.02 that I would take in, in, in any mock. Well, I'm going to go ahead and hit the 1.03. And, I'm, and listen, I have nothing against Travis Etienne, but I'm going to take what I believe is the second – most skillful, maybe arguably the most skillful mover of any skill player at any position. I'm going to take Alabama junior, six foot one, 192 pounds. I'm going to take Mr. Jerry Judy as my number three overall pick. I think Jerry Judy is absolutely a systemless player. He can play anywhere for any system, no matter what you want him to do. If you want him to be going on deep routes, he can do that. If you want him to win in the short to intermediate range in a West Coast system, he can do that. You want him to be in an option route where you're going to lay, say, you know what, Jerry, you go read the field and you tell me when you're open and let's work on throwing the ball between you and I in the dark. Let's work on that. Let's become Mouse Davis kind of run and shoot style offense. You be that guy. I think Jerry Judy is one of the most impressive receivers um, that I've had a chance to watch. And listen, there's a lot of naysayers out there that are going to tell me, well, he's not as athletic as any of the other guys in this draft. There's guys that are more athletic than him. And you know what? You're probably right. There might be guys that are going to be faster in the 40 and everything like that. But let, I, I don't I don't really care about that. I care about the way he solves problems on the field. And I see a guy who understands space, time, and his own full arsenal of his own abilities. He knows what he can do, and he knows the full depth and breadth of which he can do it, and he can leverage that at any moment, any time, to win and gain separation. He is a very dangerous receiver. And I'm going to tell you, the only guy that he reminds me of, and I think he's stronger, no offense if uh, I offend this guy, is former wide receiver Calvin Ridley. I think he's better at wide, as a route runner than Calvin was, and I think he's stronger than Calvin after the catch and at the catch point. And that's no shot at Calvin. Look at what he's doing in the NFL. So if you could have Calvin Ridley 2.5, would you take him? I- I'll take him. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, Jerry Judy is my number one overall prospect in the 2020 class. And someone might say, you know, then shouldn't he have been the pick of 1.02? And I, I debated it internally. And if I did this draft five times over, you know, I might switch. I think between Swift and Ethan and Jerry Judy, they're interchangeable. I, I went with the running back because I did a little bit more positional importance in fantasy but I think Jerry Judy's my number one overall prospect that I've watched for the 2020 class. That's how special of a player he is. So I'm right there with you. I can't wait to talk about Jerry Judy when we do the wide receiver shows because he he's rare. He's special. Uh, it's a great wide receiver class, and Jerry Judy sits at the top of it for me as well. At 1.04, because of the super flex settings, I'm going to go and take Tua Tangalavoa out of Alabama Again, the dynamicness that he plays with, the dual threat capability, rushing, passing, his ability to make plays when the play breaks down, to throw on the run, his touch, his poise. Obviously, this year we saw him have some issues with durability, but I think his overall talent level is franchise caliber quarterback. I think he's going to be the number one overall pick in the 2020 draft. He's my favorite quarterback prospect next year. You add the running component to his passing capabilities. If people are excited about Kyler Murray this year, I think they should be equally as excited about Tua next year. So in a super flex league, as good as this class is in terms of wide receivers and running backs, I think in a super flex setting, Tua deserves to be a top five pick. So I I put him on the board here as the 1.04. At 1.05, I mean, I'd be remiss if I just kind of passed this guy by, and I'm going to have to go right back to the well and go back to the running back position. I'm going to go to the Wisconsin stud, the junior, 5'11", 221 pounds. I'm taking Mr. Jonathan Taylor. I've seen him, and, man, I mean, maybe it's because I have a little local love in me, but when you're talking about this guy out of New Jersey and what he can do with the football in his uh, hands, it's quite amazing. I think he's more than just a big back. I don't think he's just a guy who's – you know, needs to get a full head of steam in order to win at the point of attack. You're talking about a guy who is has tremendous agility, tremendous vision, and a sense for space and timing, and he has a good understanding of how to manipulate attack points, how to manipulate leverage behind the line of scrimmage to really affect players, affect players at different levels, and that's really rare. There's, there's a difference between being a great gap runner or a great interior runner and running to a spot and bowling people over And then there's those guys who understand how to use the entire track to manipulate multiple defenders to make them better. And he can do that. And I'm impressed with him as a runner. I'll take Jonathan Taylor on my team any day. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is a guy who I was blown away by his athleticism. I mean, I've watched plenty. It's more than you think, right? I mean, it it, it really is. It's way more. And and there's another big running back that we're going to be talking about at some point tonight. And he equally... Uh, impressed me and wowed me. I think both of them are on Bruce Feldman's freak list. You just, when you watch a game just on Saturdays, I don't think it does these guys do justice in terms of their athleticism and how special and rare is. But when you watch multiple games of film and highlights, and then you watch a string of running backs, you realize just how special and rare his athleticism is for a man his size. I mean, he can push up all the way to the top of this. If he holds on to the football and he shows anything in the passing game, the sky's the limit for, for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you know, absolutely great player. And you know what? And, and to our, and to our credit, and I think something that you and I are constantly trying to push ourselves to understand is I think he exemplifies why we can't get lost in the forest. That is athletic ability. You really have to see how it plays out. What does he do with it on the field? And the guys that we've chosen one through five now, all these players, I believe, fully play up to whatever their athletic testing will say, quote unquote. They play up to that on Saturday. Yeah, I I, I, I 100% agree with that. So let's keep this going at 1.06. I'm going to take wide receiver out of Oklahoma, C.D. Lamb. He's the six foot two, 190 190-pound junior the thing that stand out about him that I really love, 
his ability to win contested catches, even at 190 pounds. It's his leaping ability combined with his athleticism, his ability to high point, extend, adjust. He's got good hands. I don't think his long speed is blazing, but I think it's good. I think it's good long speed, above average to good there. Uh, and it's just his body control, his ability, I already talked about, to adjust. Vertical threat, but also combines that with elusiveness, change of direction, uh, you know, and agility in the open field. Obviously want to see a few things, you know, play strength and, and his ability to beat press and, and be a little bit more physical and expand that route tree that he just hasn't had to be asked to do. But I think he's capable of it. So he's a guy that really gets me excited. So he'd be where I'd be going at 1.06 CD Lamb. Damn it. <laughs> okay. So, okay, we can do this. We can adapt here. Right, and so the only this is, this is live. This is live. This is one of the this is impromptu, just off the cuff. We said we were going to do a rookie mock tonight. We got on air and just and we're going at it. The best ability is adaptability. So here we go. At one point oh seven, I'm going to go ahead and go into the well, and I'm going to go a little bit on spec on this guy. He's, I'm, I'm still currently watching watching his film, but he just continues to impress me in in every respect. I'm going to go ahead and go out there. I'm going to take Mr. Jerry Judy's running man. I'm going to take Henry Ruggs. I like Henry Ruggs. I think Henry Ruggs is really freaking good. Um, so excuse me for the less than um, apropos or less than specific way of describing him, but Henry Ruggs is somebody that I think really does epitomize what you're looking for in terms of the ultimate slot receiver. Um, and I know that how could you have a slot receiver you know, being this high? Um, because I think that the slot receiver position, to be great at that position – I think is incredibly underrated just because they have a lot of space to work with. That doesn't necessarily mean that they can all be as good as every player that ever played the position. The slot position offers a lot of opportunity to be um, outstanding because it gives you the freedom to solve problems in a lot of different ways, but you have to know how to exploit those problems. Every time I watch Henry Ruggs, I see the change of direction skills. I see the ability to sense and understand space and timing with the defender. I see the burst and the actual um, acceleration that you need to break down a player, I see that from him, and then I see toughness at the catch point, and I see toughness after the catch. I see that contact fidelity. I see all the things that let him be that guy that, quote-unquote, and I don't love cliches, but sometimes they encapsulate things right, he plays bigger than his position says. He plays bigger than that six-foot, kind of 189, 190-pound frame says. Yeah, I mean, Henry Ruggs, I know off air I had told you a couple guys that had pleasantly surprised me more than what I was expecting. And they were a little bit lower down the pecking order. But if we were talking about some of the upper echelon guys, Henry Ruggs was one of those guys for me that he just gets lost in the shuffle because Alabama has four wide receivers that are going to be probably top 100 picks when they're all all able to go to the NFL. And they're all very talented. But, man, and you, you talked about it. The NFL is changing. What people used to think about slot-wide receivers, whether it was for fantasy, whether it's for the NFL, I mean, look at the impact that guys who play inside in the slot. And Henry Ruggs is not going to be the guy who catches the seven-yard pass to keep the chains moving. He can do that, sure. But Henry Ruggs is going to be the guy that is going to that is literally going to rip defenses coordinators hearts out because he can take it to the distance he can get over to over the top and catch a 70 yard touchdown he can take a screen pass or a quick slant to the house he's a impactful game-breaking player so absolutely love the pick there at 1.08 i'm going to stay on the wide receivers we talked about how great of a class it was and there's three guys here that it's almost coin flip for me that i absolutely love but i'm going to go to the colorado breakout sensation last year uh lavisca chenault Another guy who, yeah, does he have some route running and route tree concerns? Sure. But his combination of his athleticism at his size and his frame combined with his ability to make people miss in the open field, his lateral quickness to bounce runs to the outside, his ability to break tackles and his play strength. And then also his ability to win contested catches, his body control, his ability to adjust to passes that are thrown, you know, where he's got to turn his body midair. He shows all the capability. He's so smooth, his movement skills. He's a guy that, yeah, he's got some things to work on, but his upside is through the roof. 
I'm excited to watch more of LaVisca Chenault this year because he could be a guy that I think pushes into round one of the NFL draft and might already be considered if people are looking ahead, you know, NFL scouts and stuff. I think he's a name that is very much intriguing guys, but that goes with, you know, Henry Ruggs, CD Lamb, we already talked about Jerry Judy, and there's more wide receivers that are going to potentially be in that mix as round one. It's just such a rare special class. So I would take Chenault here. There's so many different ways to go because now we get into kind of like the area, I think, when you're talking about these prospects where there are a lot of players that can fill in the next several spots and there's a lot of ways to go. It's going to come down to kind of some of your own pride and prejudices about the types of positions and maybe the quality that those positions represent in the NFL. So in other words, I'm saying is it's like a Rorschach test. How do you see the running back position? How do you see the wide receiver position? I think who you choose now is going to tell me what you think about those things. So you're going to hear a little bit about what I think about those things. So right now, I'm going to go off and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to go back to the wide receiver position. I'm going to stay at the wide receiver position. And I'm going to go completely left field on everybody. I will not quit Brian Edwards. I won't quit him. I understand the Tylen Wallaces of the world. Sorry, I don't mean to kind of name drop it. I don't. I understand the Tylen Wallaces, and I understand the Colin Johnsons of the world, and I, I get it. And they're and they're all fantastic, and I understand it. Brian Edwards to me plays at a different level when it comes to what he's expected to do on the field. I think he's able to play in the short intermediate and deep parts of the field. He's better at the deep parts of the field. I think he's good in the vertical passing game. But I think what makes him outstanding is what separates him from some of these players is that I think he plays big, strong, and fast at his position. He understands how to leverage both his strength, his size, and his agility to get literally yards after the catch or win in the end zone. He's that quintessential, powerful, six-foot, you know, four plus player that I think you're looking for. I mean, he's six foot three, 220 pounds. I think he's the quintessential quote unquote X receiver that you're looking for in today's NFL, where he can win deep. He can win on the intermediate. He can win after the catch. He may not be able to do those all at a skillful and elite level, but he's a guy that's functional in many areas and weak in very few. Yeah, I mean, listen, Edwards is a guy who I had two other wide receivers ahead of him, but I don't think it's crazy. I, you know, he's a guy who I still would have in my top 12 overall. So I, I don't think, you know, he's a guy that the Debbie community and you and myself and many others have been high on him for years. And, you know, he's a guy that I think is going to be a guy a little bit late to the party that even to start the year, I don't know if he's generating the buzz that maybe some of these other wide receivers are, but I can see it building all year that having that crescendo from the season to the draft process continuing to build for Brian Edwards. So I think it's a solid pick. Well, you know, you know what, you know what though, just before you go, I think it's because if you think about the landscape of the problems that are that wide receiver, that exposition, he's going to be a guy that I think can do that for an NFL team in most offenses, whether he's playing in a, uh, a West coast style offense, I think he can handle it or he's playing in a vertical passing game, or even an option route passing scheme. I think he can handle those things. So I I do see him and envision him as an outside-the-numbers guy in an NFL scheme, and I I don't think we've seen a guy like that in a while that can I think can do that day one. I really think he can do that day one. He's the better version of what Kelvin Harmon was, is my opinion. So if you liked Kelvin Harmon, this guy is the more advanced version of that. Yeah, I, I, think that, I think that's well said. So let's keep this going at 1.10. Going to stay with the wide receivers, and I'm going to take T. Higgins, the junior out of Clemson. Listen, he's a guy who he's probably got av- above average long speed, but that's not his calling card. His calling card is he combines good to very good athleticism with his leaping ability, his ability to high point the ball, his ability to win 50-50 catches, contested catches, his ability to his body control. He vertically down the field is able to adjust to the ball about as good as anybody I've seen in college football recently. He's a guy obviously we're going he's going to put up ridiculous stats this year in that offense. His length, his play strength that he uses, he uses his body well. He's a guy that 
I think is getting a little lost in the shuffle, maybe because his teammate Justin Ross, who's not draft eligible, is such a highly regarded prospect. Maybe because it is such a deep wide receiver class with a lot of guys that maybe have a little bit more pizzazz than T. Higgins. But for whatever reason, I feel like the NFL is going to think very highly of this guy and what he brings to the table. I think very highly of this guy. I know last time I was on the clock, I took Chenault. The time before that, I took C.D. Lamb. I don't think it's crazy. I have these three guys back to back to back. And I think I could have easily mixed and match if I put Higgins ahead of Lamb and Chenault. I don't think it's crazy. If I put Higgins ahead of Chenault, I think I can rearrange those guys. I think they're, I think they're all very close. I think they're all very much guys that the NFL is going to be looking at in the top 30, 40 picks in next year's NFL draft that offer tremendous upside to be those wide receiver one types at the next level. So T. Higgins is my pick at 1.10. So at 1.11, I'm going to kind of go to the running back position, and I'm going to go a little bit exciting here. I'm going to kind of uh, go to a player that I think we've been talking about for years, uh, it seems like, but it really hasn't been. He's only a junior. But I'm talking about the Ohio State Buckeye junior, 5'10", 208, Mr. J.K. Dobbins. I love J.K. Dobbins, and I think that he offers enough versatility for the backfield where I can see him very much fitting right in nicely in a lot of different schemes in a variety of ways. In fact, I think he reminds me of, and I know this is going to be blasphemy for all you Chicago fans, but I think he's a more nuanced, more skillful version of Tariq Cohen, if that's possible. Um, if you think about what Tariq Cohen offered coming out of school, um, Tariq Cohen was no joke when it came to the open field. You're talking about a guy who could weave in and out of tight spaces and open spaces with ease. Well, that's J.K. Dobbins. You add to that the fact that he's also a great pass catcher and he can run between the tackles very well. I think you're talking about a player that's in that that framework. And if you think Tariq Cohen, um, how could I take him? So right now, how could I take a guy like that? Because it's what Paul and I talked about when Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara were coming out. If you're not seeing the writing on the wall about the sustainability and of your positional health at the running back position, when it comes to dynasty, you better start taking a look closer at whether or not you're drafting guys that can catch the football because you need those guys. Those guys have longer shelf lives. And those are things that Paul and I, have always been adamant about, not that we have many kind of rules, but I think when you're looking at players at positions, you've got to get guys that can do more than one thing for their long-term viability at that position. And I think when you look at J.K. Dobbins, you could certainly see that in spades. And there's a couple other ways we could have gone with that. So I like J.K. Dobbins. That's where I'm going ball. Yeah, I'll keep this moving at the 1.12 picks. going to continue to stay with the wide receivers. But this time, I'm basically saying if you're a fan of Brandon Cooks, if you're a fan of Tyree Kill, the football player, I think this guy has the capabilities to be similar to those two guys. And that's Jalen Rieger out of TCU, 5'11", 195 pounds, Elite athleticism with elite speed, separation quickness, his fluid, his movement skills, very smooth. He can beat you vertically down the field. He's got good body control, the ability to go up and get the ball even at his size with good leaping ability. He's got good hands, and then he's got that change of direction, that elusiveness, that agility to make people miss, that he can be used in the short to intermediate game. He can be used on jet sweeps. He can be used on wide receiver screens. Get him the ball in space. He can be used in so many different ways. I just kept coming back to like a Brandon Cooks or a Tyree Kill type player and then in term, and their versatility to be used in so many different facets. That's what I saw when I was watching this kid. Really explosive player. Uh, I'm excited to kind of see more of him this year because he's a guy obviously didn't watch a ton of TCU last year. Obviously sort of highlights, heard the name, and then throughout the year – continue to learn more about him, but doing a full film analysis on him came away really, really impressed with this guy. Good route runner, and that separation quickness could easily uh, get open, I think, almost at will. So really exciting uh, prospect in his own right. So that's who I'm taking at 1.12. Well, listen, I know we can probably go into a second round, but I know that we're also cramped a little bit on time. So I was wondering, who are the guys that just missed the first round? If you had to name five guys at the let's like for example like i'm going to talk about the wide receivers five guys that were in my mind as we were kind of talking about going into the second round i had guys on my mind like colin johnson i had guys on my mind like juan howard from oregon uh juan howard excuse me (laughs) sorry he played basketball 
Juwan Johnson uh, from Oregon. He's the transfer from Penn State. He was on my mind as a player that I was interested in looking at. Um, Michael Pittman was another deep one that I was thinking about for maybe that round. I still think he's a player marred by injuries that could really have a great, great year this year and catapult himself into those discussions. Tylen Wallace was another guy. So, I mean, those uh, since wide receivers kind of like where I live, can you help me out with the running backs, quarterbacks, and maybe some tight ends that might have been on your mind? Yeah, I mean, b- before I transition to that, I will say uh, you mentioned Tylen Wallace, a uh, couple other wide receivers that that for me are in my top twenty four uh, are Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota, mm-hmm. uh, to Marion Terry out of Florida State. He's only a retro yep. sophomore. Might not sure he's come out. Uh, Tyler Johnson, the senior, he will be out there. Tyler Johnson. This reminds me so much of Robert Woods. His smoothness, his route running ability. Really a fan of his game overall. I'm not sure he's going to be a great athlete tester. But in terms of football player, reminded me a lot of in every way of Robert Wood. So he's a guy uh, that that potentially would be in the round two mix for me. And then uh, the upside of Donovan Peoples Jones out of Michigan, uh, also and Tariq Black, his his teammate. If any of those guys kind of put it all together, uh, are guys that I think would be very much in the round two mix at the wide receiver position. And you can't and you can't forget Des Fitzpatrick out of Louisville. I got to keep throwing my hat in the ring with Des because Des is a guy who is a really, really great route runner, and he's a player to absolutely keep your radar on at Louisville. If you don't know, if you haven't watched his game, he is the quintessential, I think, big slot receiver at the next level. I think he's going to find a home there. He's a guy to keep on that next level as well. Who else he got? Yeah, I mean, at the quarterback position, it's probably a little bit, a little shameful that we didn't take Justin Herbert in a super flex league in round one. I actually just kind of forgot about him after I took Tua, to be honest with you. But I think it speaks volumes on just how special of a wide receiver running back class it is that Justin Herbert wasn't like an automatic pick in a super flex uh, draft in the first round. So I think he'd be a guy that probably would have went somewhere in round one, but if not round one, he'd be a guy early in round two that I think would be in consideration. Uh, Maybe a little bit later in round two, you'd maybe have Jake Fromm out of Georgia or Jacob Eason, former teammate at Georgia, who's now going to get an opportunity to start here at Washington. I'll say one quarterback under the radar who I think could really see his stock rise over the next year is Jordan Love out of Utah State. Uh, So he's a guy keep a name on. At the tight end position, I think the guys that you would see, I'll I'll put these four guys who I think all, especially if, if, if we were talking tight end premium, I think these four tight ends would be very much in the conversation uh, at some point, maybe in the mid to late second round or, or mid to, uh, or early to mid third round, depending on the type of league, Hunter Bryan out of Washington, uh, Grant Calcaterra out of Oklahoma. Those guys are straight pass catchers. They're guys who are going to not impact much in terms of blocking. They're not going to line up much in line, but their receiving capabilities are guys that can be high impactful tight ends at the NFL level for their receiving capabilities. So I think both of those guys, uh, Hunter Bryan and Grant Calcaterra, very much in the mix. And then, uh, Albert Okabunwam out of Missouri and Colby Parkinson out of Stanford are guys that have much great size, great frame. They're guys who, uh, especially Albert O, I think is more of a guy who can line up in line. Parkinson, even at his size and frame, I think is more of a detached or slot guy in terms of receiving capabilities. But I think those are the four tight ends that are most intriguing before you get down you know, to the next tier of guys. And then at the running back position, I, I think there's two that, that some people might walk away stunned that didn't go in the first round, at least one name. Uh, but I actually, I think there's three guys that very much would have probably been at the, the early part. I know if, if we expanded this and did the second round, I think these probably would be three of the next five picks, and that would be uh, Cam Akers out of Florida State. Going to hopefully get an opportunity with a little bit better run blocking this year to show his rare uh, all-around skill set, really great receiver, showed his rushing abilities his freshman year, but Florida State is really uh, you know, going through some struggles right now, and it's impacted Cam Akers, but great athleticism, great pass-catching ability, uh, breakaway threat. So Cam Akers is a guy who very much uh, could be in the late round one to early round two mix. A.J. Dillon out of Boston College. When, when Matt was talking up Jonathan Taylor before, wow, I was blown away 
watching film of AJ Dillon and his athleticism. Very surprised me, very much surprised me. Did not remember seeing that when I watched a Boston College game. But he he's a massive man, but he's a guy who can get has the lateral quickness to get to the outside. He can, you know, he can take runs to the house. He's going to run a good 40 time, even at his size. Him and Jonathan Taylor were both on Bruce Feldman freak list because at their size and frame, they're just special uh, individuals. He's got to show some pass uh, catching capabilities. But A.J. Dillon is the guy who I walked away very excited about Eno Benjamin at Arizona State. A lot of Kareem Hunt comparisons. He's a guy that you've probably been seeing go, you know, in the first round or early second round of most Devi drafts. He's a guy who I think the NFL is going to like a lot. Uh, and then the wild card, I'm going to say, who I would start thinking about is Anthony McFarland out of Maryland. If you like Darrell Henderson, I think Anthony McFarland is almost like a clone of what Darrell Henderson brought. And the NFL obviously were extremely uh, fans of Darrell Henderson, his big play capabilities, his acceleration and burst. That's what I think Anthony McFarland offers. Uh, He had a game last year. If you go back and watch him, uh, I think it was against Ohio State, yes, if I remember correctly, where, I mean, it was just amazing, him and the performance he put on in that game. But he's got some special talent. He's a guy who I think could be a big riser that not a lot of people are talking about. And then Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt, Najee Harris out of Alabama. I mean, the list goes long at running back. Trey Sermon out of Oklahoma, Chuba Hubbard out of Oklahoma State, Kylan Hill out of Mississippi State. I think those are all guys very much in the mix. Uh, but I think the main guys would be Akers, Dylan, and Benjamin, uh, who did not go in our way too early 2020 uh, rookie mock draft here. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of players that if we were going to go deep diving just to end this episode and talk about some guys that are that are really on my mind as we begin to kind of unpack the film of these various players as we move forward, I'll give you a couple of guys that are in deep, deep, deep kind of like kind of maybe submarine level in terms of players that I would keep my eye on. Um, I was very impressed last year with Kellen Mond and the and the steps he took as a Texas A&M quarterback. I'd like to see if he takes some more steps this year. He does offer a blend of ability as a passer and also as a kind of mobile can kind of play outside of the actual context of playing within the actual, um, you know, uh, within the pocket itself. He can actually play outside of the pocket, and he wins in that way, and I enjoy that about him. Another running back to keep your mind on, he just transferred to South Carolina. That would be Tavian Feaster. I like Tavian Feaster a lot. I think he really got a raw deal um, at Clemson just because of the nature of what the situation was, which was Travis Etienne. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to shine when you have a player as bright as uh, as you know Travis Etienne. Tavian Feaster is a really nice back. I think he's got a lot to offer. And then at the wide receiver position, to Paul's point, I mean, it goes it goes just incredibly deep in terms of the players that are available. Um, but KJ Hill is a great player to keep in mind. I think KJ Hill out of Ohio state is a player that's on the come. He's definitely somebody that's going to keep rising throughout the year. Obviously there's another player that I really like. And I know that people are going to say, you know, he hasn't really um, shown that much, but I think he's better than people give him credit for Marquez Callaway out of Tennessee is, is a really good player. And the film is very scarce on him, but I happen to catch a lot of Tennessee games. Um, over the past couple of years. And he's a player that I do like a little bit more. And then to Paul's point, I think when you take a look at the, um, you know, the tight end position, there are just so many players. And I think Paul mentioned everybody. There's one guy I'll throw out there just because he's been marred with injuries throughout his career. And that's Daniel Matator Bebe from USC. Um, Daniel Matator Bebe is somebody that, yeah, maybe he's a Debbie darling. And maybe that's what we should start calling these players that still are on our radar. Um, these are Debbie darlings. These are people that we fell in love with out of high school and they just haven't really trans, you know, tr- you know, kind of gone into uh, the world of uh, being a prospect. And in, a lot of the time it has to do with injury or off the field issues, which are, you know, something we can't predict, but Daniel Matator Bebe, very, very interesting, interesting athlete at the position. And USC is going to have a really, uh, another year of JT Daniels. And I think JT Daniels is going to take that, you know, that quintessential Matt Barkley step from freshman year to sophomore year. And I think we're going to see some uh, some great things out of USC. So I'm excited to see if Daniel Manitoba can stay healthy. Yeah, some really fun names there. I'm so excited you brought up K.J. Hill because I don't know what it is that people seem really – 
you know, listen, there's a lot of people get really excited about breakout age and how how quickly they make a mark in, in the collegiate game. And maybe that's a little bit of, of what people, but KJ Hill had a really good year last year. And, you know, I think he's in this year for to be Ohio State's leading receiver. I think he could have another rise very much like we saw Terry McLaurin go from very much unknown to a top 100 pick. You know, Paris Campbell, you know, went in the second round last year. I think K.J. Hill is a guy who could really move up draft boards and be a guy that maybe is even in the top 100 talk uh, come next year. And then the other Alabama guy, I think people are really sleeping on Devonta Smith. I think in a different situation, I think this guy would be getting a lot of talk about as a big time player. And I know I have him in the middle of, you know, my teen rankings in terms of wide receivers. And I have guys like him and KJ Hill above better guys that, you know, some other bigger name guys, because I, I like their skill set. So, you know, there, there's some, there's some wide receivers that are really fun down there. And even at the tight end, uh, the, the running back position, I don't think anyone's talking about Ty Chandler, the running back out of Tennessee. He intrigued me, his dual versatility and keep an eye. If he can stay healthy, Malik Davis out of Florida is, is absolutely blazing. He's a guy who can be another big play threat. He's got that acceleration and that burst. Injuries have been an issue with him, but he's a guy who's really fun to watch. Uh, and I'm glad you brought up Tavian Feast there. I got to update. Oh my, and we forgot about Kylan Hill. And we forgot about Kylan Hill too. Yeah, I talked. I, I said Kylan Hill before. Oh, he, excuse me. Yeah, with Trey Sermon and Chuba Hubbard and Kylan Hill. I mean, I think those guys are all guys that are, are, that are getting talked about a lot. You know, so for some under the radar guys, I think guys like you know. Malik Davis and Ty Chandler aren't really getting a lot of talks. Obviously, Tavian Feaster is really, you know, people are sleeping on him. And I agree with you and Tim in terms of him maybe not getting the full opportunity and getting a little bit of a raw deal there, Eccleston. Uh, it, it's just and, and loaded. Then, and, and, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to belabor this point, but I'm just shocked when you really think about it. I mean, Clyde Edwards Hilaire from LSU. I love Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I think Hilaire is, is really good. And you got Salvin Ahmed from Washington, another great player. I mean, it's just, you want to find gold? Let me tell you something. These two positions, you want to find gold? You're going to be a rich man because I think there's going to be gold all throughout this draft at those particular positions. Running back and wide receiver, you could see starters drafted in the sixth round. It could be starters are drafted in the sixth round. And that could be, I know that's crazy. How could that possibly happen? Well, we're seeing it now. When, when, I mean, right now I think Kelvin Harmon was drafted sixth round and he's he's making a push even though it's a it's a it's early it's still making a push you can see that happen now people are starting to see that happen now Paul. yeah and and we're going to be when eventually the, the 2020 draft rolls around that draft is going to that weekend is going to roll through and we're going to be blown away with guys that the names of guys that don't get drafted because it's just a numbers game. It, it ends up being a numbers game. We saw how few running backs and wide receivers got drafted this year. And I, I don't want to compare to classes because it's a better class next year. But but guys are going to be left out that we're like, wow, he didn't get drafted. Like this is a guy that we thought can be a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick, and he might not even be drafted because there's just going to be so many guys that people – are going to be looking for compliments to what they have on the rosters. And maybe they need a vertical threat, or maybe they need the bigger bodied possession type guy, or maybe they need a slot exclusively guy. You know, maybe they, you know, maybe somebody looks at Antonio Gandy Golden, the, the, the small school kid from Liberty, but maybe you want a slot guy and you look at JD Spielman and Nebraska, who I like a lot. Maybe Jamal. Javon Osborne, who I've been waiting for a breakout. Maybe this is his breakout year, and he moves up. I still am holding out hope on him. I think he's a guy who has a lot of upside to run. You mentioned before Dez Fitzpatrick, this Kalijah Lipscomb out of Vanderbilt, who already is my Stanley Morgan Jr. of this class for his route running capabilities. There's the Tyree Clevelands of the world that you told me about years ago who have yet to live up to the potential, but have so much athleticism and, and ability in their games. It, it's just, it's amazing. And it goes way down. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm looking here and I'm going to give you guys one surprise name, a surprise name that you'll enjoy. I thought he was the best route runner out of his respective class coming out of high school. Courtney Davis, Courtney Davis at Texas A&M is a absolute stud of a route runner. You don't want to play the premium for Jerry Judy. I promise you, you can get, a discount on Courtney Davis. And you think I'm speaking hyperbole. No way. There's no way that can be true. 
go watch some Courtney Davis film. And if it wasn't for his injuries in high school, and if it wasn't for his injuries earlier in his years at Texas A&M, this is a guy who would have done damage pretty quickly. And they have them, Courtney Davis and Hamon Osborne, are both on the outside with one another. That's an interesting wide receiver core to really track this year. Yeah, I mean, there's just so there's just so much. It's just it's so fun to talk about these guys. I think you hear it probably in in my voice and Matt's voice the excitement that we have for these. And this is just a little sneak peek. We 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 figured doing a way too early mock was just a fun way to talk about you know twelve names a little bit more in depth, not nearly as in depth as we'll go into when we get to the positional preview shows, and then just kind of going around the horn back and forth, sharing more names of guys that maybe would have been in the second round or third round, and then some under the radar guys. Guys, just to kind of throw out almost like a watch list type episode to you know throw out there 30 40 names of guys who are who we're excited to talk about and we're really dig deep into uh once we get to the positional preview show so hopefully you kind of enjoyed this as we kind of turn the page to the 2020 draft and the upcoming 2019 college football season matt any final parting shots here so paul i'm going to ask you a question as we kind of part ways do you think it was foolish for me to overinvest in this year's class? Thinking back to the trading away picks to move into this class to get those extra picks. Was I a fool if I now have two first round draft picks and maybe two third round draft picks? Was I foolish to forego a first round pick this year for a first round pick next year? Or do you think we might actually be striking something we might actually be catching lighting in the bottle we might actually be a stroke of genius what do you think yeah i mean i i think when push comes to shove i i you know i was just fortunate enough to have christopher harris join me on the most recent ss podcast and we talked about this class you know besides kyla murray and josh jacobs and then maybe a little bit miles sanders and david montgomery Nothing is getting me too excited in in this in this upcoming rookie drafts. I know you know me and you were in some together. I'm in some other ones. So I got like three or four rookie drafts upcoming I, in I the month of you. August. I, didn't I? I traded you my first round pick. What like in Christmas time? Something yeah. around that. Yeah. So I mean, I, tra- I traded Paul my first round pick from this year's class for a quarterback because I needed a quarterback. So I traded my eighth overall pick for Russell Wilson. It's a two QB league. And I traded my eighth overall pick for Russell Wilson, and I would do it again. Yeah, and you know, and there's a lot complicated to the league I won't get into in terms of salary cap. So I was a little bit forced to have to move the quarterback. But you know, it's one of those things that I don't even think it's crazy if people are trading away, you know, one point oh five, one point oh six picks, and say, you know what, give me a first next year if if you have the capability to to kind of punt off the pick for a year. Because I think the guys that are being look at the guys that we took at the back end of our way too early mock: T. Higgins, J.K. Dobbins, uh, Jalen Rieger, the guys who would have started the next round, the Eno Benjamins of the world, and and the Cam Akers of the world. I'm more excited about those guys than probably almost every guy who's getting taken in the first round of, of this year's class, except the handful of names right at the top of the draft. You know, there, you know, so many wide receivers in next year's class, I'll be more excited about than Nikhil Harry, who's my first wide receiver for, you know, this year's rookie drafts. So it, it's just one of those years that if you can stockpile 2020 picks, if you're on the fence about rebuilding and reloading or going for it, and, and you say, you know what, it's finally time to rebuild. Now's the time to make that decision. You got to look at your team. You got to analyze your team. And if you don't think you can win this year, sell off your veterans, sell off your guys who are maybe aging stars and stockpile as many first and second round picks as you can get in the 2020 draft. And then even pick up some third rounders along the way too, because I think it's going to be deep enough that this is going to be reminiscent of that 2014 when guys like Devontae Adams and Allen Robinson weren't going in the first 24 picks of rookie drafts, or they were going in the third round. They were going somewhere, you know, you know, between picks, you know, late second round to mid third round, you know, and that's where some of those guys were going back then because it was such a special draft class. I think that's going to be the case next year as well. So stockpile up on 2020 picks. Choose now the time to rebuild if you don't think you're a legitimate contender this year would be my parting shot. So, Matt, any one, any final last thing? No, I just want to say thank you to everybody um, for the support throughout the Summer Seminar Series. 
as well as the support you've been showing us throughout the entire summer. We really are proud of the effort we put forth. Um, we're really, really excited about what's upcoming this year. And uh, it's just nice to be back, brother. It's just nice to be back in the saddle, man. Yes, it is. It's been way, way too long. You know, we're talking about May, June, July. We're talking almost three months since we did a podcast together. Uh, So that is a long, long stretch. But I am excited for the upcoming podcast here in the month of August. And I I got some surprises. I I got some surprises coming up. Oh, so, listen, just just listen to you talk about the wide receivers tonight. And uh, I already already know there's some surprises we got on some, the way. We got surprises because, because I, I didn't just – I mean, listen, we got some surprises coming up. We have some interesting things. I have surprise guests coming up in August, a bonus episode of the Summer Seminar Series. A gentleman that I've been trying to track down for a while, he'll be joining us. So that will be interesting. And uh, some surprises for some guests throughout the year to keep the, the, the kind of uh, professional development going as we kind of unpack this incredibly dynamic and complex game called football. Absolutely, guys. Those are all must-listen-to episodes. Make sure you are checking all of them out. So on behalf of Matt, on behalf of our sound and tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, thank you for joining us, and we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.